Huh, so who would have thought last year that Ferrari would end up dominating this way in the first race of the season? But let's be honest, folks. This has happened before. We've seen this happen in 2017. We've seen this happen in 2018. Is this the year that Ferrari finally gets it done? Now, I know the answer. Right? We all want it to be yes, but there's a lot more things that we have to discuss. And there's a lot more of that that we're going to discuss along with this very point on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits to Podium. So welcome along. My name is Somal Arora. I'm the host of the Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar, joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of Force India, which then became Racing Point, which then became Aston Martin, and has now become a very fast but very slow green machine. Nothing to do with Kunal, though. That, that's just the way things have ended up for them. But welcome, welcome all to the show, folks. And seriously, Kunal, I read something very funny on Reddit, which is the best place to go to, of course, if you want funny stuff. That Ferrari left After Mission the Vino line F1 podcast and pits to podium, right? You that's mean? true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Good plug. But, but sorry, uh, I interrupted. I read you. somewhere yeah. that Ferrari. T- totally okay. If it's an interruption like that, totally worth it, right? But it, it's amazing. Someone wrote that Ferrari left Mission Vino to pursue Mission Win now, and we we knew that they were good, but they were this good. That that's just outstanding. I think it was a, it was a really good opening race of the season because there was so much anticipation about these cars. How will they qualify? Will they be able to race together? Hmm. Will it give us, you know, entertainment? Will they allow, you know, drivers to fight? So irrespective, I mean, you know, not, not considering which teams were in the battle, just the very fact that we had an entertaining race is actually a very good start to this era of Formula One. And of course, like Bernie mm. Eccleston said, you know, for Formula One to be, you know, more, more, uh, more successful, more popular, he needs Ferrari to be winning. So if Bernie was the chief of the sport still, he would have definitely repeated this statement. I think it's, it's great if the wait for Tifosi, uh, is, is going to end the season. It's been what? It's 15 years. I remember, you know, we ran a graphic, Whoa. uh, Yesterday for the We Are Play, uh, you know, viewers, uh, uh, and, and 15 years is incredibly long for a team like Ferrari. But we know that. We just know that they had the best start to a season since a long, long time. They got the pole. They got the race win. They got the fastest lap. And like, uh, you know, F1 stats guru Sundaram has, you know, been become very popular with this particular stat of his that each time Ferrari have scored pole and win, in the first race of the season, they've gone on to win the World Championship. And that actually has happened seven times in the history of Formula One and Ferrari. Come on, Kunal. You just took the high train and you accelerated the speed from 100 to 300. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the lovely work of F1 Stats Guru right there. You can check him out on all his social media handles. But it makes me ask a question, right? Why is this particular race different from what happened in 2017 and 2018? Where, remember... They also won the first couple of races. And generally, Kunal, in terms of the atmosphere, this feels different. And is it the pole that kind of adds to it? Because in those couple of races, they didn't really have the pole. And now that it's a one-two, now that the expectations have been compounded by testing, it sort of feels like the time when it didn't really feel that way in 2017 and 2018. It it didn't. And, you know, it's uh, it's like this. There was always a sense of nervousness about the Ferrari at that time. Different team uh, even though it was the same red color or a different red color of the car as well right there is some uh air of more there's some air of certainty around this setup but again very early days 
um, you know, pre-race and after qualifying, pretty much everyone thought Ferrari at the single lap pace, but not the race pace. But we all saw how that turned out as well. So I think it's a it's a it's a very good start for Ferrari. But let's see how it goes over the next twenty two races because it's a long season. And if there's one thing I can guarantee will happen, it is that the pecking order will change. It will evolve uh, through the course of the season, Samuel. Absolutely. But think of it, right? They've got 44 points and their closest rivals, at least on track, have got none. So that's how ridiculous of a gap Ferrari have already. And it's going to be so hard for them to claw back. But just a word on Charles Leclerc and all. That restart was tremendous. And... I think there's a lovely thing, right? Whenever Verstappen and Hamilton end up battling, in a way, you kind of felt that Verstappen pushed Hamilton way beyond the limit and kind of kind of took advantage of his sportsmanship and took things a little more seriously. With Leclerc, there's this air of mutual respect in a way. And we saw this in Silverstone 2020. Uh, we saw this in Austria 2019. These two guys just make for such a lovely couple. And it kind of adds to the whole <laughs> point of why this feels different because Ferrari have won this race after a fight. In Australia, in those couple of years that I mentioned previously, it was just more of a procession and we were just too happy because Ferrari is winning. You know, it's it's very right what you pointed out, the whole uh, air of respect and, uh, you know, between Verstappen and Charles Leclerc because, you know, I think it's down down to this feeling. They've, they've grown up racing go-karts together. You know, I remember going into this weekend how people were sharing uh, images and videos of them racing in carts they all know how naughty the other one can get mind you i'm using the word naughty and not dirty okay and uh, <laughs> in in the end i'm glad they kept it clean because uh, it, it was close you know and and this is despite the fact that red bull wanted max to have just one attempt like they radioed him and uh, it was it was uh, you know typical of both of them to use DRS to use all the late braking that they could to get uh, track uh, position. But that Ferrari and Charles Leclerc were just a little too quick for Red Bull to to catch up uh, on. And you know my understanding is uh, is that you know in the previous era of Formula One there was a lot of tire management that kept going on. Drivers would sit behind. Uh, two-second gap, you know, save the tires and then attack later on. This era, at least, of course, based on the first race, I think there is tire management, which is natural, but that mm. it's been compounded by what's also called brake management because uh, Max's attack or repeated attacks on Charles did not come for as long as we would have liked only because he was also managing his brakes. And, you know, Mark Hughes has put out a very interesting technical reasoning behind this. So it's best you go up on Formula1.com and read it. But uh, that was what actually halted uh, Max's charge for victory. And this includes the fact that Max wanted to have a faster outlap and, you know, whatever else to try and get the jump on Charles Leclerc. And maybe that's the way it's going to go because Red Bull has a very powerful DRS wing, as we've seen. And uh, the offset between the new tire and the old tire was almost three and a half to four seconds in in uh, you know during the pit stop. So that was another interesting play for us to see. So teams have gathered all this data. They're only going to get smarter with every you know every every day that goes closer to the next weekend because they'll be processing this data, rebuilding their race scenarios, and sharpening their their tools that will help them literally from this weekend itself. Somehow. 
Yeah, exactly. That's such a good point you mentioned. And Max was furious about it. But it was kind of curious why he didn't quite push immediately, right? After after the restart, he kind of backed off. And seems like that was the reason why. But still, the racing was good. And we shall discuss that more in depth. But also, Carlos Sainz Canal, very, very close. He was pretty handy all throughout the weekend. Not exactly to the level of Charles. But it's interesting that he's come out and said that a 1-2 for him personally was a bit disappointing. And that's the kind of spirit you want to see there. Right? That This means that this could just end up being a lovely battle three ways, essentially, because we now have Max, Carlos, Charles, maybe, who knows, Sergio Perez could join in the fight. This, this is turning out to be fun. It is. You know, the top three in qualifying, like we spoke about after qualifying, Samuel, were 0.13 away from each other. And like Carlos Sainz said, if he had a go again, he would have made up to 10th. And, you know, he labeled Bahrain as one of his toughest weekends with Ferrari. So it's all about him figuring out with the team. Because at the end of the day, you know, his disappointment stems from the fact that he has a fast car this season. Last Hmm. season, he showed that he can be quicker than Charles when it matters. So for him to have finished second, obviously, is disappointing because he wants to go and get his title as well, you know, add to the Sainz legacy while also prove Renault and and Red Bull wrong in their choices they made earlier on in, in his career and the likes. And, you know, just to talk about consistency, Carlos Sainz had his 16th consecutive points finish this weekend, which I think is mm. pretty fantastic, Samuel. Yeah, exactly. And we also have to give a shout out to Abhishek Duckley because he got the prediction right. He, he bet on Charles and yeah, that, that is the one episode that you should also check out if you've got the time to. Now that it, it's a bit retrospective, maybe you can have a look and compare what we think were the one words for each of the team before the season began. But Red Bull Canal, the word for Red Bull was largely to do with the benchmark, the expectation and to carry on the momentum that they built up. But seriously, this... Unprecedented in a way. As I mentioned early on, they've dropped 44 points to Ferrari, and this just well could have been a Red Bull 1 3 for all we know, had Perez just close up to Carlos Sainz. And the fuel pump, uh, for all we know right now, it's apparently something to do with the fuel pump, which is now known to be a standard part among all the teams. Can we expect this to happen to everyone throughout the season? What's this whole uh, kerfuffle going about? So, first things first, you know, Max Verstappen could have actually had pole position. He lost pole by a very, very Mm. narrow margin on the last (coughs) corner of his Q3 lap. He was actually almost ahead of Charles, and he would have had a very, very narrow margin pole position. Of course, this is only in retrospect. This is after seeing telemetry data. So, he could have started from pole, led the race, Mm. done his thing that would have been. And uh, by leading the race, of course, he would have had cleaner air and hence he wouldn't have had all those brake issues because he was saving his brakes from lap three or thereabouts. And uh, again, lots of technical reasons behind why brakes were overheating as well. I'm not going to get into that. Like I said, Mark is better to, you know, be the person who's going to read about this. But very crucially, Samuel, uh, you know, the only thing Red Bull could do was try during the pit stops, which they did do so. And talking about fuel pumps, it is a standardized part. But there are two things to sort of keep in mind out here, right? First is, uh, you know, just because I've given you a standard part doesn't mean you use it the same way the other teams would do so. So it's hmm. also about how they've placed that standard part. And if that was their placement is is a problem within the entire uh, casing that they've got or the packaging, as we call it, right? And then second is, if it is actually a fuel pump mm. problem or, or, or a packaging problem, 
can it be solved uh you know in less than a week's time because we've got a back to back weekend uh, you know we're racing in saudi arabia in no time uh, as well and uh, the third thing of course uh, is going to be if it's a standard part used in a standard way then could it just be that it becomes a lottery that any uh, team or driver could hit it maybe once or twice or multiple times through the season at any point and could this be an issue because that's also something that's been brewing on the internet saying is the fi aware of this are the teams aware of this seems like they are and are they trying to sort of find a, a common fix to it right and then of course there is this other theory saying the fuel pumps were fine it was the eat and fuel that actually caused a problem mm. uh so we will know only in due course what the issue is but yeah red bull was literally they've started on the worst footing that they could have as you know drivers world champion team and got a lot of ground to make up but the good the good thing samuel is at least they know they had a car to compete with ferrari at least they didn't we did not see the two uh, prancing horses uh, prance away from from the raging bulls <laughs> at least we saw two you know two teams fight at the front and 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 that sort of gives us a bit of a a, a pecking uh, order i would say yeah exactly but i think that makes it feel more frustrating knowing that you could have beaten them but you end up with nothing Yeah, you kind of get the frustration in the Red Bull camp right now, but that's Red Bull. And speaking of Red Bull, speaking of all the battles they had with Ferrari, raceability canal. It's the biggest question we had in mind coming into this season about whether these cars will be good and will we actually get to see some racing. One race in, I think it was decent enough. I mean, it's it's too little to maybe give a comprehensive opinion on whether these cars are actually better because of course a lot of the battles that we saw were very similar to what we saw in say Abu Dhabi 2014. where you have a move down the first corner cut back down the second you have a move on the outside of the third so that's that's very similar very cliche in a way you could put it to Bahrain but otherwise canal it's it seemed all right but what what do you reckon are this are this new I mean not are this is this new generation of formula 1 car actually better i mean many people had complaints about how slow the cars look which wasn't a problem for me because i watch a lot of formula 2 and those cars look slow but they are so much fun in <laughs> racing but what what do you think about the whole thing So first things first you know Bahrain is a circuit where we've seen fair amount of overtaking in the past so we actually saw the same amount of overtakes or thereabouts i would say yeah. i'm and i'm not going by the total number of overtakes i'm just saying in general it seemed like drivers <laughs> who wanted to make an overtake could make an overtake with with a fair bit of ease so that was that was uh, good so but did you did you check out who won the crypto.com overtake award though or do we do we not bother with that here No, we do not bother well, with that. I'm just happy we had. I think we can we let it slide. Battle. Yeah, we can let it slide. I'm just happy that we could have the <laughs> the Charles versus Max battle go on for a couple of laps. They seemed like they could follow each other. They could outbreak each other. Like I said, uh, the 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 followability of the cars, if that's the word, if the cars could just follow each other, they, <laughs> they seemed more ease uh, at you know they seemed at more ease to do that. The the question like i said is you know is the whole brake and tire management that sort of goes on uh so was it also the you know the abrasive circuit uh, surface of the sakhir international circuit i'm sure it was as well so we will only see over the next couple of uh, weekends how it all sort of evolves somel right but at the moment it seemed like the cars seemed far easier uh to sort of be in wheel to wheel battle no drivers were complaining of uh you know it being tougher in any mm. any particular radio that i sort of heard 
Yeah, I think just the judgment element has to come in because we saw Ocon making that contact with Mick. So that kind of, you can excuse that in a way. Not that the stewards did, and we shall come to that in a second. But that seemed good that we could see some racing go on. Maybe something like Jeddah will prove to be a better example because that's a tighter circuit and we can get a better idea of how much following is possible. But uh, race strategy, Kunal, uh, you and I had a chat before this episode began and we were just really confused to see like, what in the world just happened? Especially with Mercedes, who put on the hard compound on Lewis Hamilton. And when he came out, it felt like IndyCar. And, and I was watching the race screening live with around 100 of people. Everyone over there went bonkers because A, it's Hamilton struggling. Of course, they, they love to cheer Hamilton doing bad. But the, the second part is, it's just kind of unprecedented, right? We haven't quite seen this happen ever in Formula 1 for a very, very long time. Because the blankets were so useful. Now that you take him away, just adds another layer of struggle. So... Mercedes kind of got it wrong, but they still got a podium. So that's just bizarre considering how things played out. They got a they got a podium purely because of the double uh, retirement that uh, uh, you know double retirement that uh, Red Bull had, right? But uh, talking about mm. race strategy, it was actually very easy to dissect the strategy, at least for me. For Red Bull, it was uh, finding a way across the Ferrari car. So it was just like, we will throw whatever we can Mm. at the Ferraris to try and undercut them. Because like I said, the undercut was very, very powerful, right? Is that going to remain for the season or not? Uh, One doesn't know. But the truth is that that was what, you know, Red Bull was trying to do. And they tried it, you know, several times. Sticking still to race strategy, you know, we had Mika Hakkinen on the Via Play broadcast. So for all those in in the Nordics and several other markets where Via Play broadcasts, you all would have seen Mika made this very, very bold prediction before the race. He said, I think we're going to see a three-stopper. And I still remember David Coulthard, who was with him, said, (laughs) wow, that's a very bold prediction. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. We had a three-stopping race. Uh, you know, with, with uh, which just added to the excitement, I would say. And that gave, uh, you know, mm. Max at least two more attempts to sort of try and make an overtake on uh, on uh, Charles. You could also see it this way that gave Max two more attempts to be even more angry on the radio with his pit crew. So that was actually, <laughs> I, I would say that was uh, Max's uh, or Red Bull's uh, strategy. Uh, the midfield strategy was fairly simple. The midfield strategy was like, just overtake all you can, who you can, when you can, because there was just so many, uh, you know, overtakes that, uh, that happened in the midfield, especially the Alfa Romeos. They were, they were driving around the others mm-hmm. like others were mobile chicanes, if I may call it that. And Mercedes was just like, <laughs> okay, we're slow. Mercedes was almost a second slower lap because, by the time uh, Pierre Gasly's Honda, you know, had an issue and brought out the safety car, say 12 laps before the end, they were almost a minute down on the lead Ferrari, which is 57 laps, 60 seconds down. It's more than a second a lap slower. And we saw their issues with the hard tire, uh, you know, with the warm up and Hamilton's outlap and the like. So Mercedes were just very blessed uh, to to sort of get a podium on a weekend when they were by far the third fastest car, Sommel. And uh, my mind actually goes back to 2017, 2018, since that's what we started talking about. Because at that time, we had Ferrari versus Mercedes up at the front. We had Red Bull in a league of their own, faster than the other midfield teams (laughs) and then everybody else. And it's just that, uh, you know, Red Bull and Mercedes have sort of swapped places. So it's Ferrari and Red Bull at the front and then Mercedes doing what Red Bull did at that time, which is fill up 
you know slots 5 and 6 uh, and pick up the the pieces yeah. if somebody else up ahead falters yeah you're right and and from last year mclaren have just directly swapped with haas alpine are where they are aston martin have have maybe done a williams but williams have kind of swapped around with some other team it, it's it's funny right it's it's very simple how things are eventually going about but i think what's evident is that we thought that this would be closer of course whenever a new regulation comes in there's always a bit of a gap right? in terms of how you interpret it some concepts will go right some concepts will go wrong we saw that in 2014 as well where we saw clear distinct groups emerge eventually so i think they will bunch up maybe if not at the end of this year it'll take some time but we will see them get very very close towards the very end like we did see with this past generation of cars but interesting how race strategy eventually pulled out and yeah crazy how just taking away the tire blankets changed so much and how everything just kind of became so interesting with strategy but another thing to talk about kunal is race control were they fairer were they better we don't quite know how it worked out with the whole var system but at least from what we could see the track limits enforcement if that's a thing was a bit better we we saw it to be a little more consistent all the way through where they had said that you need to have at least one tire on the white line and that that was good ocon's penalty was fair good start i'd say and then plus changing any to all cars in terms of lap cars also helps out you know samuel despite talking so much formula 1 with you all the time i actually have a question and i don't know the answer to this uh-huh i thought tire tire blankets were banned from 2024 the original plan was to ban them from 21 then that became 22 mm. and that was pushed forward to 24 so i'm not ex- entirely sure what the issue was i was on google as well trying to see what was what couldn't get much but yeah. either way uh, the the hard compound had a warm up challenge it was clearly the the it was clearly a compound that was you know struggling to get into the working temperature right but uh, move, moving on to to other things we had uh, the alfa romeos they had a they had a fantastic race guan yu jo yeah. uh, uh, you know he uh-huh. he points on debut yuki sonoda another meme doing the rounds that uh Honda's last manual on how to use the Honda engines was in Japanese and which is why Yuki was the only uh driver who sort of was a Honda powered car uh that could uh you know finish the race in the points <laughs> and the, I would say I would pick two real stars from the midfield that has to be Valtteri Bottas for what he did uh and then of course for uh you know Kevin Magnussen as well and Bottas even more so keeping a couple of things in mind first is he had lack of testing that alfa romeo had so many testing issues right uh that that uh, he actually uh, he actually uh, uh, turned around and said that the reason why he had a bad start is because they did not get enough time to practice as many starts because of restrict uh, you know limited testing that he had and then kevin magnussen you know his crazy uh formula 1 love affair is only getting crazier you know is he's he's, he's yeah. he was another fantastic uh you know uh driver to watch this weekend yeah exactly and i loved i loved how gunther steiner was happy and he was swearing when he was still happy so it, it's fun to see that but yeah valtteri bottas very interesting and i just wonder what could happen if their starts are better too because that alfa romeo looks like a fast car when it finishes right so that's also going to be interesting to see but good for joe gone you and fernando alonso in the points again but i was very impressed with esteban ocon kunal because even with that penalty ending up finishing where he was was interesting because he was way faster than fernando 
he got the points. Good day. Yeah, and you know, four teams scored double points. Alpine being one of them. So L plan was definitely working as well. Swamil, and I would say even race control uh, was working fairly well. We saw some pretty, pretty, you know, quick decisions, prompt decisions, clear decisions being made. You can argue that they were not tested as much as you know uh, yeah. Michael Massey <laughs> was tested last uh, season. But I think it's a good start overall for race control as well. Yeah, exactly. But Kunal, before we go, moment of the race. What, what do you reckon it was for you? The moment of the race for me was Netflix filming Kevin Magnuson all the way from Thursday <laughs> of the Grand Prix weekend. I think what a what a perfect time to actually film a, a comeback such as Kevin's. You know, he had retired from Formula One, and you guys know the drill. But the fact is, Netflix has it. Uh, recorded so it's just about making sure that they edit it correctly don't add too much drama because anyway the the real life story in itself is so fantastic but yeah the clearly uh, Ferrari 1-2 was the highlight of the weekend I would say just the manner in which they got it and you can hear my daughter she's also excited she's going to come here any minute because she's wearing a red Ferrari t-shirt but yeah the fact is they, they had an answer to everything that Max and Red Bull threw at them through the entire weekend, Samuel. Yeah, exactly. What, what a fun way that we saw this weekend end out. And for me, the moment has to be that wheel-to-wheel battle between Leclerc and Verstappen. If only it, had, it could have gone on for longer, but hey, I'm asking for a bit too much, right? Next weekend is going to be a lot of fun in Jeddah. Make sure you join us right here on the Inside Line of One podcast and pitch the podium for our race weekend coverage, which starts off on... Thursday or Friday, we'll see when we record that preview episode. But we've also got the qualifying episode now and the race review there as well. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week, folks. Have a good weekend and enjoy your journey on the Ferrari Hype Train. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.